0: You are listening
1: to GMR Radio, and now the Great Movie Radio Show.
2: All right, everyone, quiet on the set. Places, places. We've got a show to make here. Our Chris and Gabriel.
3: Okay, everyone. In three, two, one, and...
2: Coming to you live from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's The Great Movie Radio Show, a movie talk podcast starring Chris and Gabe.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Great Movie Radio Show. Chris Schneider here, and I have my lovely... Uh, wonderful Vanna White co-host, uh, Gabe Jaramillo. What's up, buddy?
0: Hey, guys. You can't see, but I'm displaying the, 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 the letters, right? She's from Wheel yeah, yeah. of Fortune or Jeopardy or something?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we have with us today a wonderful duo of filmmakers and podcasters themselves, um, Dalton Burdett and Ryan Warner, who I used to work with uh, in the movie industry. Uh, they have a awesome podcast called Movie Nights, and it's spelled with a K because they're from UCF, and their mascot is the Knights. And so it's kind of a play on words, which I thought was humorous and clever. So they do short films, which they've won uh, multiple awards in the uh, film circuit. Uh, They had an L.A. premiere, which is pretty awesome. And like I said, they do a podcast. And they've agreed to come on the show uh, against their will. And we're just happy to have them. I, I love talking shop with them and always have. And um, when we started the program, I always uh, wanted to have them on. So this is a great opportunity to to sit down and talk with them. Dalton and Ryan, thanks for coming on the GMR show. We appreciate having you.
2: Oh man, the pleasure is really all on this end. Let me tell you. Yeah. Thank uh, you for having us. Yeah, no, um, seriously. Thanks. And when you, when I first saw that, you know, a few months back that you're like, I'm starting a podcast, I literally looked at, I forget who I was with, I might have been with Ryan. I think it was me. I looked at him and I was like, he better have us on at some point. <laughs> <'cause I'm- laughs> Roots run deep, man. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, no, that was, uh, this is really exciting. I'm, I'm a fan of the show. And again, just thanks for all the kind words and thanks for having us.
1: All right, no problem. Well, first of all, um, this is a uh, great movie ride oriented podcast. Have either of you ever ridden the ride before it went down, or uh, was was I well, won't say went down, but it was uh, taken from us? So violently. we put it down slowly. Yeah, just like old Yeller. No, but uh,
2: <laughs> I, yes, no, I had ridden the ride. I'd written I had gotten the chance to ride it more than once, and I was a big boy fan of the ride Big boyfriend? i personally
3: have not unfortunately oh no! Oh.
2: well that's oh. thank you for
0: joining us you could leave now thank you so much oh <laughs> wow <laughs> wow yeah
1: thank you for having me it was very nice <laughs> well uh why don't you both uh tell us about movie nights i know i kind of did a nutshell version but you guys actually do the thing so why don't you tell us about movie nights what you do what you're about and uh yeah
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, yeah, uh, we're the movie nights. Basically, we just have a uh, small production company out of Orlando, Florida, where we put, you know, a majority of our things on YouTube. We make short films. We do skits, um, podcasts. They used to be weekly during the quarantine they're monthly, but hopefully we'll get back to a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yes, it is spelled with a K because we think that we're clever. And, like, that was really funny when we first came up with it. And then it now... kind of stuck. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things. But, uh, you yeah, know, we've been fortunate enough to be able to produce some some short films that I like, and, uh, you know, thankfully some other people have liked them as well. We've been fortunate enough to go to some festivals, win some awards, not major ones, but, you know, just getting our, getting our start out there, and it's been loads of fun doing it, and, um, you know, Ryan here is my producing partner in crime and podcasting. He's always there for the ride to make sure everything goes well behind the scenes, and also, he is excellent at whenever I uh, lose my mind, he kind of gets me, gets me back to par, so he's... He's, he's always been that guy, and he's just, he's a really talented guy, and like me, you know, we all just try to learn something new every day, and, you know, you we, we always like to check each other's progress, and I think both of us have grown greatly as content producers and filmmakers, and wouldn't rather do it with anybody else, buddy. There Thank you, you,
3: you Dalton. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a fun journey. Um, I can say personally I joined the Movie Nights train late, but I'm glad that I'm here, I'm glad that I do have Dalton as my partner through this, and uh, we do really work well together, I, I can say. I'm-, I'm proud of that and how we work, and uh, yeah, excited
1: to see what the future of
3: Movie Nights holds.
1: Awesome. Well, again, thank you guys for being on the show. Uh, you're correct. You were in my thoughts when I started the podcast, so don't don't worry. It just took a while to get the thing running. And of course, you know, we've we've tried to incorporate our guests being movie writers, but once in a while, we're we're trying to bring in people from quote unquote the industry, the biz. Oh, and, you, you and heard so, it here first, folks. We're, we're in the <laughs> you're in the you're in the biz. You've made it. Um, no, but uh, like I said, you guys had an LA an LA premiere, right? Yes. Yeah, that was, uh, so was it, um, I just, I don't remember much. Um, it was part of, uh, multiple short films premiering at, what, what theater was it in L.A.? Flamel NoHo7, it's a, it's a very specific name, but, uh,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, um, we had made a short in, uh, 2017 called No More Safe Haven. It was just this little action short that we made, and about, you know, it come out, it did like a brief festival run, And then about two years later, we got an email from this company called Four Walled Productions, and their goal was to kind of give short films theatrical releases. And they were like, hey, we like your film. We want to put it with a bunch of other shorts and put it out in a, you know, one-week theatrical distribution in Los Angeles. Are you guys cool with that? And I was like, yeah, no, of course we want to go out in L.A. and see that happen. You know, that's like a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And just, you know, anyone who makes, you know, films or short films, it's just a personal dream to see something you've made out in L.A., so that that was a really fun, really great experience, and just seeing something you made on the big screen is just, it's, it's unforgettable, it was great.
1: I, I can imagine, I remember when you posted it on Facebook, and I I think I was, I don't know if I was like, uh, viewing one of your podcasts and, and just kinda checking things out, and I saw it, and I was like, holy crap, are you, what? It's like every filmmaker's dream when you're, when you're starting small and you're trying to get yeah, out there. That's, uh, that was so incredible. I bought a ticket actually even though I wasn't in LA. Oh, thank so you. I I was so happy to see that you had you know, made a film that made it to LA and I was like, ah, yeah, come on, support that. So I uh, what an opportunity, man. That is so cool. And it it means the world that you bought a ticket. Thank you. Thank hey man, it was one of the coolest ten to- I think it's one of the only times I've bought a ticket for a movie I didn't actually watch in the theater with that ticket. So it's 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 a conversation starter for sure. But you have a a new one? Uh, a new short a new were and it's on our website if you go to our partners uh, page uh, we have you guys on there as one of our partners and we have your short film contrition on our page it just won like it just got announced yesterday right it won uh, best sci-fi award yeah the vegas movie award that is so cool and i just yeah that's got to be exciting so what, what's next for the movie nights have you guys uh are you guys working on a new project or what's up <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah. Um. Before quarantine, we had a short plan to be filmed in April, mm-hmm. and it, it was going to be the biggest one we've ever done. It was like a 35-page script. We had four locations locked down. We were good to go. Like, it was like a, a really big project, and we haven't really done anything on that scale before. And then, you know, COVID-19 and it's had to be indefinitely postponed and you know until yeah. the world starts spinning again then hopefully we can get and you know I did a virtual read through with the cast and everybody was great so it sounds like everyone's still on board but you know you just still hate to see things like that get get postponed so you yeah. know right now we've just been um making some just short little videos for YouTube, doing some podcasts, and just trying to just, you know, stay busy during this, you know, weird time. But, you know, hopefully when everything gets back going, we can start production on that film again because it was one that I was very, very much so looking forward to doing.
1: Is the is there a name yet? Have you guys come up with a title? or?
2: Ooh, I can drop that for the first time right here, Ryan. Ooh, if you want yeah. to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. Yes. So, the and this is not exciting at all, so I don't know why I'm <laughs> doing this. But uh, the... Uh, the title of the film was called The Local. That's what it was going to be. I'm and it's, so
1: excited right now. Yeah, <laughs> So freaking excited. We just yes. had a short film name drop first time on our show. Boom. Boom. The Local. That's awesome. I really wish oh. it
0: was uh, Pooh Loves Honey.
1: <laughs> but. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> for those of you listening uh the original joke from that is probably on the cut version of this show but i i feel bad just like giving a title
2: and like no sense of what it is about yeah. do you want to hear like a brief syn- a, a brief synopsis yeah, yeah not some hype I, dude yeah, do let's it. do it let's do it so wow this is actually the first time we're publicly doing the synopsis of the movie wow um, wow. <laughs> um basically It's inspired by old western films, but it's going to obviously have a more modern aesthetic. Because, like, what I loved about old western films was, you know, this hero would stroll into town on a horse, save the day, and then leave. And he had, like, no consequences of, you know, being this sort of local hero. Well, what if someone saved a town, but they lived in the town? And now, every time something bad happens, everyone just goes to this one person, like, hey, are you going to help? And, you know, obviously that type of responsibility being thrown on somebody is going to cause them to really kind of slip into a depression, especially if things don't always go the way they want it to when they have to step up and save a small town like that. So basically it's like a Western from the perspective of the hero can never leave and just kind of exploring what that would be like. Oh.
1: Wow. sounds awesome. Now I'm glad you told us because that sounds great.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, uh, and obviously, you know, we don't have the budget to make it look like a real Western, so it's kind of just going to hopefully just have a similar aesthetic and feel, and maybe with some of the score as well, which, by the way, my composer has already sent me pieces based off the script, and it's awesome! But, uh, but yeah, no, it's just, just something we've been really looking forward to, and hopefully, once everything is better, we can start filming pronto.
1: And now, it's time for top five what we're gonna do is we're gonna have gabe here is gonna review top five favorites with both of you uh since there are two of you usually we only have one guest so this is fun uh we're gonna try to keep it brief and uh then we're gonna start around the track and that'll be a fun time gabe why don't you take away top five
0: Awesome. Uh, yeah, so we'll hint into both of yours, and this is actually one of the only uh, questions that Dalton answered five for. <laughs> um, <laughs> Called out right away. <laughs> I've been saving that. I've been saving it. Um, cool. We'll hit, uh, start with you, Ryan. We'll start with your th- uh, yeah. top five favorite films and why they're your favorites.
3: Uh, yeah, so – um, pulp fiction, uh, I'm a big Tarantino guy. Uh, my dad actually introduced me into uh, pulp fiction. So I have a very fa- uh, fond memory of watching that with my dad. And uh, it's one of his favorite movies. So just being able to experience that movie with him has a lot of sentimental value. Uh, and I think it's just all around probably one of the uh, more perfect movies I've seen. And I don't really like to use that word when describing movies because it is such a subjective field. Um, But I just, I love everything about that movie. I love the nonlinear storyline that is in it, the -the over-the-top violence that's in it, uh, the score, just everything about that movie really uh, strikes a chord with me. Um, And then I love the original Halloween, the 1978 John Carpenter Halloween. Mm. Uh, I find that movie to be very inspirational uh, because it is such a low-budget, authentic horror movie. Because uh, whenever I watch horror, because I'm a huge fan of the horror genre, mm-hmm. and I like to be scared when I turn off the film. Like what happens in my life after the movie. That's what mm-hmm. I draw away from horror movies, and I think this Halloween movie does it perfectly for me. Uh, just the stalker, the uh, just the creep watching you, murdering people, and just like st- uh, watching from a distance. I just find that to be very, uh, very unsettling. Yeah. Uh, and then moving on, I have Evil Dead 2. I think that is a perf- like as perfect as a movie could get, um, especially when you know kind of the first movie and the drama behind it and then them losing the rights and remaking it and then having to basically recap the first movie, but they wanted to have more fun with it. And you really feel the authenticity of the film. You can see that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and everyone behind the camera are just having fun with it. And that's another very inspirational movie especially you know being part of a a film production that deals with micro budgets and it's just very inspirational to see them make such a hit movie that is regarded as like a fantastic movie even in the in a lot of the filmmakers eyes in Hollywood like professional filmmakers for sure and then definitely I think every, it's safe to say everyone loves Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. my favorite movie is A New Hope, the original Star Wars. I think that is a prime example of the hero's journey. I think that it is just everything you would want in a space adventure sci-fi movie. And it's just revolutionary with the sounds that the... Uh, what would it be? The Foley artist that had to come up with those sounds yeah, for like, the lightsabers mm-hmm, and blasters yeah, and mm-hmm. Tie Fighters. Like, it's just so much fun, and I will always get giddy anytime I see Luke do the trench run at the end. It's just so mm. much fun. And then uh, I recently just watched this movie for the first time because I've never really been a rom com guy. Uh, those movies never really struck a chord with me. But I recently watched About Time, and it made it into my top five, and it is. One of the most heartwarming movies and just sad movies that I've ever seen that, like, looks at consequences of changing little things that may have like this butterfly effect. And it's just so sweet. And I absolutely love that movie. And if you haven't seen About Time, I would recommend that movie to anybody. Absolutely phenomenal. And like I said, I'm not much of a rom com guy, but that movie really stuck with me.
0: And I may be wrong when I say this, but Chris, I think this is the first time we've had like a rom com come up in top five or even around the track, no?
1: Um, I know Tracy had a few, but oh, well, no. they're, they're not common. so yeah, yeah. They haven't been common on our episodes, so it's, yeah, that's nice.
3: Well, and I feel like rom-com is just a very umbrella term because About Time really isn't a comedy. It's more of a romance movie than a yeah. typical rom-com because um, like, you have like the teen dramas, which are under the rom-com. You have romantic comedies like 50 First Dates or any Adam Sandler movie. Um, but this is just a romance movie, and there's a lot of family ties and a lot of family themes in the movie as well. So if you have a tight family connection, uh, this movie could definitely
2: strike a chord with you. All right, Dalton. It's your time to shine. Okay. Uh, yeah, basically, I-, I put Con Air five times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, no. no. No, no, okay, okay. I That was a joke. I do like Con Air, but that was a joke. Um, okay, so... And I, I did because I'm that guy, I, I put, like, when I filled this out, like, I put in parentheses, I reserve the right to change my answers, and the only reason I do that is because I could wake up tomorrow and give you five different movies, just because cinema is just such mm. such a huge language for me. But uh, from the ones listed that I have, um, I, I, have to, I have to start off the bat with Jaws, and I know that that's, like, the typical film school answer of, like, oh, what's your favorite movie? And they mentioned like, the Spielberg classic, Jaws. But that movie, just ever since I was a kid, has resonated with me on an emotional level. And it's it's also one of those films where the more you watch it, you pick up something new about how precise Spielberg's direction is. And, and also, it, it starts off as a horror movie and then ends as this adventure, like, Indiana Jones feel of, like, hey, let's go kill that damn shark. And it's so mm. fascinating. And, and also, these characters, these three main leads are so separated the whole movie like none of them really have anything in common some of them like each other some don't but they all have a specific purpose and it's not until the famous you know USS Indianapolis speech right at the end where even the characters sit at the same table like like that is when they even first just start to even physically come together let alone emotionally and it's just in time for the third act so for the first time in kind of the whole movie you feel like hey maybe these guys have a shot at winning because it's, like, the first time they've even come close together. So just the beautiful pacing and storytelling. I, I could go for hours just about this movie, so I'll move on for the sake of time. But, <laughs> but it's just, it's I love this movie so much. And the last thing I'll say about it is the first time I watched it, I had my mom had, like, just taught me the concept of, like, oh, movies aren't real. So, like, the whole time I was watching it, I wasn't scared. And my mom was surprised. And she was like, wow, you know, you're doing really good watching this movie. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's cool. You know, based off of what you told me. And then I kind of smirked and was like, sharks aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and she was like, she was like, oh, no, honey, shark. sharks are very, very real. And I was like, what? And like my whole like perspective on the movie changed. And I quickly became like this terrified child. Oh, but man. yeah.
1: Sharks aren't real. That's, so- <laughs> That's awesome.
2: That's awesome. And uh, yeah, but uh, moving on to my list, um, I also have a Star Wars movie on here but mine is going to be The Empire Strikes Back. Um, Part of the reason why, I mean, I love Star Wars, but part of the reason why I put this over the original, which I do love, is just how thematically deep this film is. And it really takes this incredible journey of this first film and continues it without feeling like it's stretching the story or, I mean, yeah, every movie ever made is a money grab, but like when you watch this movie, you genuinely feel that the reason it exists is that there's more story to tell. And just throughout the whole movie, like I said, the the thematic deepness, like, you know, the scene with Yoda when he tells Luke, hey, you know, go into that cave, and Luke's like, what should I bring? Only what you take with you. And he goes and he has that moment with the fake Darth Vader, sees himself in his shoes. It's not only great foreshadowing, but also just as a... I, I could just imagine being, like, young, in like, when I was young, first watching that movie, of the first time, you know, you identifying yourself as the hero, seeing the evil that you can become, and just how that can really wrap his head around the decisions he makes, and even, like, a moment that gives me just chills every time I watch that film is when, um, you know, Yoda is trying to tell him how to get, you know, use the force to get his ship out of the water, and he, you know, it's before the, you know, it's right after the do you do not there's no try famous line, but I, I think there's a line in that scene that's even better, and, um, I'm uh, glad because I recently watched like the Mandalorian docuseries and Taika yep. Waititi brought up this line and I'm really glad he did because I echo its sentiment to perfection and it's when Yoda does get the ship out of the water and Luke just says I don't believe it and Yoda says that's why you fail and it's it's just such a great mm. moment of just seeing the character kind of getting beaten to his low level and you know, of course there's the whole the whole famous you know I am your father you know spoilers but you know it's it's part of this big, you know, pop Wait, cultural what? phenomenon. Yeah. Oh what? my god. I'm am s- so sorry. Oh no. Well, <sighs> Ryan, we gotta go. No. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, but yeah, no. I I thoroughly love The Empire Strikes Back, and. And it's just, it's so funny when you think about that movie, and I can just imagine if this movie was around when the internet was a thing, because I felt like it would have gotten a lot of hate. Like, could could you imagine the internet trolls when, like, oh, suddenly you can use the force to move objects? That wasn't in the first movie at all. Who said you can just use the force that way? Or, oh, oh, force can, people can just be ghosts now? Oh, that's super convenient. You know, like, I could just picture the internet going nuts Mm. on this movie, but, you know, fortunately, the storytelling is so strong, and the themes are so deep that... You know everything is perfect, and just you know the Han Solo's character in this movie is perfect. Oh, okay, I'll I'll move on, but yeah, no love it, love Empire Strikes Back, and uh, also I have on here I have Terminator Two, Judgment Day. Yes, and, nice. Uh, p- part of the reason, look, I love the first Terminator movie also, like almost as much as Terminator One, and it's partially because it's just such a sci-fi indie movie, and and also just Kyle Reese is one of my favorite movie characters of all time. I love Kyle Reese, and you know, when I first saw this movie, um, you know, going into it, basically, um, I, you know, when I was a kid, I probably saw this when I was like 11 or 12, and I was like, you know, man, there's not gonna be Kyle Reese in this movie, I wonder how I'm gonna gonna feel about it, and then, you know, Linda Hamilton just comes in and gives this all-star performance, they totally, completely do a different, like, direction with her character and then by the time the movie ended I was like yo I want Linda Hamilton to be my mom like what the hell like that was awesome <laughs> and just like every you know set piece every piece of revolutionary CGI and just the you know pitch perfect direction from James Cameron and-, and also I actually was talking to my dad recently cuz like he he likes movies but he's not like a huge movie guy like I am But I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, was there a movie, like, uh, other than, like, Star Wars and the obvious ones, was there a movie you remember seeing in theaters that, like, you were completely blown away by? Because this movie came out when he was in college. And he said, yes, I remember going to see Terminator 2. And he told me something I didn't know. He said that in all of the marketing for that movie, the audience was not told that, you know, mild spoilers, that Schwarzenegger (laughs) was a good guy. Like, nobody knew that going into the movie. And that when the scene happens, when both Terminators approach John Connor in the hallway, and then Schwarzenegger says, get down and shoots the other Terminator. He said the whole audience went nuts. They were just oh, like, sure. oh my God, yes. he's there to protect him. Yes. He's, like, he's like, no one knew that. And he said that was such a huge moment in that movie. And that's like something that I didn't even think about. Cause it's almost like Empire Strikes Back. Like everybody knows Darth Vader's Luke's father. So you'll never get that moment. But like with Terminator, like I knew going into Terminator 2, like okay he's the good guy this time, but I could only imagine not knowing that and seeing that moment, I would have lost my mind.
1: And yeah, uh,
2: yeah. yeah no, love, love Terminator 2. And uh, moving on, I also have the original Alien film, Ridley Scott's Alien. And yes, I'm of the camp that I think it's better than Aliens, although I do love Aliens. So you know, don't don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm right
1: there with you, man. That's man, the same, for, same me.
2: for me. Aha! See you, Ryan. No, see, I'm a big Aliens guy. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I think
1: Aliens is
2: hey, miles hey, better. Hey, did I, did I interrupt your time, bro? <laughs> Let's go. Okay, okay so, so... So, uh, in Alien is, you know, like Jaws, and uh, and Ryan, you know, says he doesn't like to describe films as perfect very much. Well, that's a reservation that I also, you know, hold off of, but, you know, in terms of Jaws and Alien just what what a perfect film just like anything from every single shot every frame is a painting the set design is perfect every single character is unique you know um you know the building of Ellen Ripley as this badass hero that didn't start off the movie that way but you knew that there was something special about her character when you watched that movie and it's especially telling in these times when You know, John Hurt's character gets the face hugger on his face, and Ellen's like, nah, he's not coming in. We're not breaking quarantine like that. No way. So, like, right in the beginning, you're like, all right, finally someone's, you know, reasonable on this ship. But then, you know, they ignore her. And then, so when she does, you know, take on the role of being the hero of that film, you're like, ah, yes, finally. Someone with a freaking brain is gonna get us out of here, you know. And just the overall feeling of isolation, the just, you know, existential dread of just... And, you know, and the tagline of the movie says it all. In space, no one can hear you scream. And it's just such a horrific thing to think about and just a realistic way of looking at it. And also, I have a soft spot for old sci-fi movies where their version of advanced tech is just like, you know, the, you know, 70s Dell computer. <laughs> it's just like, I, I love when movies do that because, like, Soylent and Green also did that. Like, their, their big thing was, like, slightly bigger telephones and it was in the future i was like oh wow good for you guys no but like i just i i just have a soft spot for like movies that obviously you don't know what's going to happen in the future so you have to be careful and i just i just it's just like a heartwarming thing for me and uh going into the fifth one i i do get some flack from this from other like film fans and you know pretentious film students which you all meet but uh i the, the movie i have on here is the dark knight and It's my favorite comic book movie of all time, and I'm a huge comic book movie fan, for anyone who's ever listened to me speak at all, ever. And, uh, part of the reason why I consistently keep this movie in my top lists is because... I I I re-watch it, like, every three years, every two or three years, and in my head, I'm like, I'm ready to hate it. Like, I'm ready to be like, you know what, maybe it's not that good, maybe it's just, you know, a fond memory I have, whatever. And then I get about forty-five minutes into the movie, and I'm like, oh, shit! No, this is so good! Like, God, why, why did I? <laughs> like, wh- like, why, why would I ever <laughs> even doubt that?" And then, like, you know, it, it's it's not just like Heath Ledger's performance, which is brilliant, and you know, everyone's acting in that movie. Like, I love Gary Oldman as James Gordon. It just it's oh, also yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It, it's also just a perfect sequel. Like, they did such a good job in Batman Begins, setting up Gotham, setting up the character of Batman, so that when you spend time away from Batman, that character never feels underdeveloped. It's just showing you a different side of the world because of the knowledge you've already previously have. And so that when this character, you know, when the Bruce Wayne Batman character gets down on his luck, gets down on his knees, feels like there's nothing he can do to win, that really gets to you because you're all of a sudden this hero who seemed unbreakable at the end of Batman Begins is now emotionally just can't move. He's crippled. And just, you know, part of that, obviously, is because of the Joker. And just, you know, having the Harvey Dent storyline and how that all played through, just so perfect. And it perfectly set up the the end of the trilogy. And it's just, it was such a... This was a crime movie first, then a Batman movie second. Yeah. And it was such a smart choice by the filmmakers the direction by christopher nolan is so top-notch like you could cut the tension with 50 knives like that movie is so suspenseful and you know the interrogation scene with batman and the joker just every time i watch that scene i'm just like god i'm watching a master class of acting right now and just and, and you know the use of practical stunts like flipping the semi-truck was so awesome and and, yes, this movie does have a, you know, I'll admit I'm a big Batman fan bias. Uh, this was the first movie I ever saw in an IMAX theater. Oh, so, yes. Oh. So that it was wonderful in IMAX. I so remember that's, that. So that's also just a big, you know, factor in just my love and appreciation for this movie. But that's why every, so often when I rewatch it, I'm like, all right, let's be realistic. Let's, let's you know, see if uh, if this movie is as good as we remember. And then Joker does that pencil trick, and I'm like, ha, this movie's awesome. <laughs> so... So, yeah, that's, uh, I reserve the right to have five different movies tomorrow. But, yeah, those would be my, uh, my top five today.
1: Nice. Part of some Facebook group where it's like film fans, blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember what it's called. But they asked, uh, it was uh, name a film series that your favorite isn't the most popular of that series. And, of course, for Star Wars, mine's Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And for the Dark Knight trilogy, I guess we'll call it, uh, Batman Begins is my favorite. Um, Return of the Jedi because it finishes that whole three-part story so well, and and I was sad with the changes they made for the special edition. I'm glad I have a theatrical version of it because, uh, yeah, the original Ewok celebration at the end was ruined. ruined. How dare you? <laughs> um, but I remember uh, the part when he's on the sail barge about to be thrown into the pit and that music dump. Don starts going and my dad would just like watch that scene over and over and over. <laughs> and I just fell in love with that movie. And then Batman Begins. It's probably one of the, uh, it, it, it's the Star Wars, uh, A New Hope of Nolan's Batman trilogy. It really encompasses the uh, the origin story, the hero story. And like you said, because they did so well setting that movie in the right tone, when you visit him again in the dark night, it, it just breaks you. And you you feel so emotionally attached to him because of the attachment that was built in Batman Begins. And it's so underrated. And I, I, I love those movies so much. You know, and,
2: and I'll even chime in on Batman Begins just briefly. Sorry. You know, it's we're okay. it's okay. It's movie talk. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, with Batman Begins, what people also tend to forget is so many people and critics were ready to hate that movie. Because the most previous Batman movie was Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And 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 like and there's a reason that they didn't make another Batman movie for like 8 years is cuz they just had no idea how they're even going to approach that. And so, you know, getting an auteur filmmaker like Chris Nolan and just like rolling the dice on him and him just kind of proving naysayers like no, it's a good character if you just do him right. And just it's Batman Begins is a great movie. It's my second favorite of the trilogy, but yeah, no, it's yeah. I I, I had an ending to that and it left me, but yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's okay.
0: It's time to go around the track. Ready when you are, CB.
1: Uh, We're going to start our Around the Track and going into musical, because we're going to start going in there. It's funny that you, uh, Ryan, were saying that both of you have different viewpoints on film, yet the first uh, movie we're going to visit on the track in musical, you both have it as your favorite, and it's La La Land. So yes. so we'll let Ryan go first since Dalton you just talk. Uh, what about yeah. La La Land to you? Cuz it's a very recent musical. Mhm. Uh, what what about it? Uh just everything, you know.
3: I I again I'm going to use this word that I claim I don't like using cuz I really don't, but it's a perfect movie in my eyes. Um, everything from the score to Damien Chazelle's direction to the acting to the chemistry um the thing that I take away most from this movie would definitely have to be the ending. I know a lot of people hate it because, you know, spoilers, uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling don't end up together, but I feel like that (sighs) ending that is in the movie is justifiable to the journey that they went through. And I think because they didn't end up together, because they just have that moment in the club where they just look at each other and they acknowledge each other's success and their lives and what they've done separate of each other. I think in that moment, they just understand that they just can't work together. And the ending is just what makes it for me. Cause I feel like if they would have ended up together, it just would not have been the same movie or had the same effects. And uh, that's definitely the thing I take away most from it is the ending. Gotcha. Dalton, what about
2: you? Um. Yeah, no, uh, for me, I, you know, I, I echo a lot of Ryan's sentiments and you know, p- picking, when you say favorite musical, it's almost blasphemous to say a movie that just came out a few years ago. But it's, it's just resonated with me. Like, I saw this movie like four times in theaters. Mm-hmm. And like, it, I just, there's just something about it that kept bringing me back. And while I echo everything Ryan said about the direction, the chemistry between the leads, the music, all of that, the the thing that always, there are two parts of this movie that like put it in the, like, yes, thank you, fantastic for me. And that is Emma Stone's audition song, towards the end of the film, when the casting directors are just like, just tell us a story. And, because that just kind of encapsulates their whole journey, the whole script of that movie in a whole, you know, about having a dream, going to Hollywood, you know, just tell us a story. And like, that whole sequence and the way it's filmed is beautiful, but also, at the end of the film, since, you know, Ryan's brought it up, like how the film ends, there, there's that, that, that last look scene, where they both finally acknowledge each other. And, It's different for each person. Like, for Emma Stone, it is a nod of, it was nice to see you again. And in Ryan Gosling's face, you can just see, he's happy to see her, but man, he wishes things went differently. But he also knows that she doesn't feel the same way. And it's this heartbreaking look on his face, and it really all starts that I didn't even pick up on until, like, the third time I watched the movie, which was around the, you know, first to second act break, there's a sequence where Emma Stone is on the phone with her mother, and Ryan Gosling overhears them w- talking about him, Sebastian, and the m- she's, like, talking to the mother, and she says, well, no, he doesn't have a whole lot of money right now, but, like, he's going to work on it. He's going to do it. And he overhears her, and then suddenly his motivation changes from i got to open this club to I have to make money so I can support this, this girl. And then when he sells out and joins the jazz band, the first thing she does is get mad, like, why'd you do that? And he like doesn't know how to communicate to her like i did this for you and then he realizes that was a mistake on his part that he shouldn't have even done that so that look at the end is just all of those feelings in his head of just like i messed up and i did it wrong and i'm sorry and so when they separate it just makes it so much you know sad and you know like watching that movie is kind of like how i feel today you know like wow i'm really sad but i'm not dead
1: (laughs) so I did say when we were talking originally, you would have to say that in the when you explained like and you did. It. You ended it with it. Awesome. Well, since you both share that movie as your favorite, um, on the next ones, we'll have to split it up, of course, because you have different movies. Uh, I'm going to let you both, like, choose one part of that movie, like, together, so you guys get to jointly share with us uh, what you would put on the ride for La La Land.
2: Ooh. Mm.
3: Mm.
1: Let's see.
2: For me, for La La Land, (laughs) I would do the planetarium sequence where they're kind of, where they start floating in midair at the museum and they start dancing. Like, I think if you, you know, obviously, you know, this this version of the great movie riot has like a you know hollywood blockbuster budget where you can have like holograms and shit and it looks really cool (laughs) (laughs) and uh you're able to pull that off but i think if you want to show a slice of that movie to an audience on the ride that would be the perfect one that and just have all of the other scenes be
1: con air (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be the running joke of the episode is con con air what about you uh ryan
3: Uh, If you really want to get a feel for their relationship, especially during the beginning stage, I would have to put uh, when they're at the party and it's after Emma Stone's character suggests that his band plays Iran and they (laughs) meet up and talk. And he's like, really, you're going to suggest Iran from a serious musician. And just that banter is so perfect. And it just really encompasses what their relationship is like. In the beginning, like during the honeymoon phase of their relationship. And I absolutely love that. And
1: it just, uh, it goes to show their chemistry on screen. I I want that just because uh, the excuse of being able to play Flock of Seagulls on the Great Movie Ride. Oh, absolutely! That absolutely. Be, that would be incredible. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go into mob crime and both of you have different ones. Um, Dalton, you have the Godfather Part Two, which I think has been on everybody's list uh, that we've had on the show. But Ryan, you've brought a new one to the table. Thank you. Uh, no, no harsh words against you, Dalton. It's okay. Uh, no,
2: I get it. I'll just, I'll just leave.
1: No, it's a great one. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I, know. I know it's. I'm joking. Though. I'm joking. But uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, mm-hmm. another Tarantino favorite. Um, Dalton, we'll let you go first. Um, Godfather has been talked about many a time, but I'm sure you could bring in some new light.
2: Uh, probably not, but I'll try. Uh, <laughs> but, um, first, but really quick, I will say, "Reservoir Dogs" is my favorite Tarantino movie, so I'm excited for what Ryan has to say about it. But um, for "Godfather" Part Two, part of the reason why this film has the leg up over Part One for me is mostly because this, the way that it told two parallel stories of you know Michael Corleone in the present and vito corleone played by robert de niro in the past and how it uses both of their stories how how they're geographically different and you know it's a different time thematically they're both going through a similar journey in the same thing so and you know it's also more tragic in that vito didn't want michael to become the head of the family so you're seeing this character become somebody his father didn't want him to become while showing the father becoming that same person and it was just this really interesting, heartbreaking tale, especially, you know, when you bring Fredo into it. And I won't, you know, spoil it since you haven't seen it. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of betrayal is a huge theme in this movie. And the way that this film not only deals with betrayal, but the abuse of power and just sort of the lack of empathy and, sim- and lack of sympathy that you get once you're in a position where you're considered weak if you have those things is just really daunting and almost hard to see. But the movie is crafted so beautifully and the performances are so well done that you're just sucked into every moment of this very long movie. And to the point where when it ends, you're not even upset about how long it was. You're just like, wow, what a beautifully told story. And even more so than Godfather Part 1. So I, yeah, that's probably the main reasons why I love Godfather Part 2.
1: Those are the best movies too. Um, I was just telling Gabe earlier, um, I watched Casino last night for the first time, and that movie is three hours. It did not feel like three hours. And so, when you have movies that are so long, but you watch them and you're so drawn in and you're so in the moment that it doesn't feel like a three hour movie, that's a good movie. That's a really good movie. Oh yes, and, um, I'm still excited to see Godfather Part Two. It's on my list of things to watch. I just, yeah. Um, what scene? Uh, I mean, we'll we'll add it, even though it's been added like seventy times. Uh, what <laughs> do you have a scene from Godfather Part 2? And if it spoils something, I'll forget it. It's okay. Okay.
2: Uh, it's, it's not a huge... Well, it's kind of a huge... Po- okay. Yeah. I'll say... <laughs> uh, here's what I'll say. I'll say... And it's probably been added onto the ride because I'm sure I'm not the first person who thought of this scene. But there's a scene at a party where d- the people who have seen this are going <laughs> to laugh because they know what I'm talking about and I'm trying to be vague. But <laughs> there's, there's a scene at a party where two brothers confront each other and threaten each other, but in a way that they can't alarm the other party guests. And that's what I would put on the ride.
1: (laughs) That was was so so discreet, discreet. yet everyone, like you said, everyone probably knows what it is. Thank you for sparing me, but at the same time, I I would have forgotten anyways, So
2: That it's... It's all good. I, I don't want that <laughs> moment to be robbed of you, and I didn't want to risk it.
1: Well, I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Uh, Ryan, you have reservoir dogs. This was the first Tarantino movie I ever saw. I got the movie for five bucks and a blockbuster DVD bin. I was so excited to watch this, and oh, man, it blew me away. And uh, that was just a fond memory I had about it. Uh, what what for you?
3: This one was kind of hard because there's so many good movies in this genre, and like I stated before, I'm a huge Tarantino guy, uh, so it just felt right to put Reservoir Dogs. Um, because, you know, they are mobsters. They they have a heist, and I love that they're just, it all takes place in, in, uh, in one building. Like, it takes place in the uh, warehouse that they're in, and they're trying to figure out who the mole is. And it's just so, like, all the dialogue is realistic from when the movie starts, when they're all around the table talking about... Uh, tipping and it's such a real conversation that like anyone has had and it just immediately captures you. I think that, you know, all his dialogue is like that, but spe- speaking specifically on this movie, it just sucks you right in and you get a feel for how scummy these characters are because they're just talking about such a modern uh thing that we all do. We all when we go to out to eat we tip. So it's something that you know everyone has done so everyone has an opinion on it so he just captures you right there from the get-go and just the suspense whenever they're trying to figure out who the mole is and then you the audience figure out who it is through the non-linear storytelling and it's just so simple it's it's such a simple idea that it's a heist movie but it's not about the heist it's what happens after Mm -hmm. and it's very fascinating and i really like that he took that approach with the movie
1: i agree um i I loved that everyone had like colors to their name and i loved when i found it there was like four different dvd covers of each character having their corresponding color behind it was like part of the marketing a lot i thought it was great that's cool yeah um what scene from reservoir dogs would you would you put on the great movie ride
3: Ooh, definitely uh i can't remember the character's color names but it's definitely got to be whenever tim roth is bleeding out and uh He's pointing the gun at uh, Harvey Keitel and Harvey Keitel is pointing the gun at, uh, I can't remember the other guy, but Mm -hmm. the mob boss's son walks in Mm -hmm. and they're arguing. And just that tension that's in that moment of the actors and the characters still trying to figure out who the mole is. But as the audience member, you already know. So you just don't know when the gunpowder barrel is going to explode. And I think that scene is perfect for the ride yeah
2: i think families will really love that on the ride <laughs> <laughs> i want to say that's
1: white and orange i could be wrong i'm trying to think of a way to incorporate uh the gangster to come out and take the ride don't they like shoot each other spoiler alert i believe so yeah I th- yeah i think harvey keitel and the mob boss's son shoot each other i think that's right. tim roth lives in that scene we, think. we could have the gangster on the ground bleeding out and crawl into the ride and take it. <laughs> oh my God. That would be funny. Well, we're going to take a quick break here on The Great Movie Radio Show. When we come back, our character, our gangster, Gabe's going to take us through a few movies around the track before I uh, kill him in Anubis. So, wonderful times. <laughs> we'll be right back on The Great Movie Radio Show.
2: Shut up, you two. You want to blow our cover? Psst. Hey you, you're listening to The Great Movie Radio Show starring Chris and Gabe. Don't nobody move until we get back or else, if you know what I mean. Warning, remain on this podcast. The advertisement you are experiencing is extremely dangerous. Proceed with caution.
1: Autumn Star Entertainment is an independent producer of movies and video. Their goal is to provide Hollywood-level entertainment for low to no budget. Check them out on Facebook.com slash Autumn Entertainment or on Twitter at AutumnStarENT.
2: Hey, what are you looking at? Hit the subscribe button to catch more of the great movie radio show starring Chris and Gabe and maybe you won't get Here they come, boss! Look at that, a red light. No, no, the
1: red light's against the law, and I would never break the law.
0: No more red lights.
1: Hundreds of movie writers from around the globe have come together to recreate the magic of the Great Movie Ride during the past few months to bring you The Great Movie Ride, Quarantine Edition.
3: Well, gee, Mr. Kent, that'd be swell.
1: Witness the spectacular recreation of the ride from entrance to exit. The Great Movie Ride brings these movies to life and puts you right in the middle of the action. Danger. The emergency destruct system is now activated. The ship will detonate in T-minus 10 minutes. It's time to take a magical journey into the movies once more.
0: Tarzan, wait! They're our friends. Owani!
1: The Great Movie Ride lives on in The Great Movie Ride, Quarantine Edition, coming soon.
2: Time for Chris and Gabe hosts at a great movie radio show to get back to white. I better lay low for a while. The heat's on. On second thought, I could go for some popcorn.
0: Awesome. Well, we are back. This is Gabe. I'm taking over now. Um, But we're going to hit some of the... uh... (laughs) hit some of the movie genres that you would hit with the gangster. And we are going to start off with Westerns. Dalton, I'm going to save yours for a second because I'm interested about your, your Western. Um, so Ryan blazing saddles, we've had it as a comedy, but what about it makes it your favorite Western? Uh,
3: it's just, I mean, it's, it's a comedy set in the Western era and it is 100% a movie that could not be made today, just because of the comedy that is in it. But when you watch it, you just can't help but laugh because of just how on the nose all the stereotype, uh, all the stereotypical jokes are in it, and it's just, I I can't help but laugh at the same joke every time I watch it. <laughs> um, and honestly, I tried watching a lot of the old Clint Eastwood western movies, and those didn't really resonate with me. Uh, as much as this movie did. So that's why it's definitely my favorite western movie. It's just because it doesn't take itself seriously. And it's just fun. And uh, Mel Brooks is absolutely funny. With his writing and directing. And what he does with his movies.
0: For sure. And I, and I completely agree. This is not a movie that um, if was made today would be as successful as it was. We're going to jump over just because to Dalton's just cuz yours is so unique. Um, if you listen to my podcast, mine was Back to the Future 3. Your favorite western is Logan.
2: Yes. That uh that, um, that that Hugh Jackman flick that came out a few years ago.
0: Yeah. I remember and I just remember like being like okay, this is this is like really awesome. But what what about it like made it your favorite western?
2: One of my favorite westerns for me is that it, it's, it's also one of the inspirations for the short film I'm making I was talking about earlier. But this, this really took the Western approach, and, and, you know, it had the budget to give that visual aesthetic. You know, they're on the border of Mexico and Texas, and, you know, you, you get that, you know, lonely, isolated Western vibe. But it's also just, it's a character piece about somebody who, you know, their whole life was able to live with this family that was abruptly taken from them. And so he wants nothing to do with family. He wants nothing to do... He wants to die. And, like, honestly, what a relatable character arc. All that guy wants to do is just die. It's like, Mm. why can't he just die? Like, it's the whole whole movie. And then when he finally gets, you know, confronted head-on, not only by someone who's literally connected to him, but also someone who is a literal carbon copy of himself, he's literally facing his worst nightmare, and that's just the evil side of himself. And even with the Clint Eastwood... Westerns and even just other like old time Italian western spaghetti Westerns, something that those, you know, anti heroes often face is just, you know, the animalistic nature of themselves and the fact that they don't have any rules. And I think that this film really did a great job modernizing that specific theme, especially because you have a character who, you know, he, he's one of those characters that's just destined to never be happy. And, you know, and I think a prime example of it is the scene in the film. For those of you who have seen it, there's a film where this family, this small family, like picks them up on the side of the road and like has dinner with them, and you know, the Logan character, Wolverine, has this moment of like, wow, this is something that I could, I could be a part of. This is something that I could, I could really, you know, I wish just this could happen in my life. And then wiggity bam slam, they're all <laughs> murdered, and it's like, uh, oh my god, like, but like, I, I made a joke out of it, but in the film, it's so heart wrenching, it's so sad and like just yes you feel bad for the family that was actually died but you just feel for this main character who every time happiness slivers into his life it just gets taken away and I think that that central theme of old westerns that translates to this one just really hit home for me so that's one of the reasons why I consider Logan a western and why I consider it one of my favorites
0: Nice. So on the great movie, right? Like the Western scene is like a mix of all movies. So we would be able to include both of your movies. Uh, Ryan, why, what scene from blazing saddles would you put in there?
3: I can't remember the sheriff's name, the one who rolls mm. into town, but it's, um, him and, oh God, I feel like a criminal. Can't remember his name. What's, uh, Gene Wilder's, Gene
2: Wilder. Gene Wilder's character. Yeah. Gene Wilder. Yeah.
3: Gene Wilder. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the Waco kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's definitely whenever they're talking in the jail cell and they're just going back and forth and talking about like how great of a marksman he was. And he's like, oh, that's not my shooting hand. This is my shooting hand and like lifts up his hand and it's just like shaking everywhere. And that just blindsided me and just like how comedy can come out of nowhere in a serious moment
0: gotcha now Dalton, what's would you put that scene that you were just talking about or would you pick a different scene for the ride
2: uh for the ride i'd probably pick like a more family friendly scene so i'd pick the scene where he just dies and uh i uh, I, uh <laughs> like for that For that scene just just because it's it's the heart of the movie it's the part that you know everyone who saw x-men in 2000 was bawling their eyes out or at least i was there's actually a very funny story about me crying in the theater when this happened but uh i just that emotional crux of the movie like i want families and kids to be on this ride and maybe some of them have seen logan and they don't want to go through that pain again and then suddenly the ride just turns and bam there it is kids there's your trauma (laughs) and uh and then connor yeah, no, and I, I, literally, I was about to say, also, there's a scene in Conair where the plane lands in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is technically a western area, so we can get away with that being in the western section.
0: Perfect, perfect. I don't need, like, based on those two scenes, I don't even know how we would incorporate I
1: don't know unless... the, the
0: bandit, but we'll we'll figure it out.
1: I'm trying to think, but I, I can't think of anything.
0: It's just the bandit comes out with tissues. Here you go. Here you sorry go, sorry about sorry, that. You Here you that. go. <laughs> sorry. Spoiler, the finale has Iron Man dying. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, sorry. No. Here you go. You're going to need it for later. The great Sam uh, movie
1: <laughs> radio
0: show. Um, awesome. So then we're going to jump into sci-fi now, and this is another scene where you both have two different ones. Um, so, Dalton, I'll start off with you. You have Blade Runner 2049.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh this movie um made me contemplate my whole entire existence and uh you know don't don't you just love that oh, but yeah. uh ba- <laughs> ba- basically this film takes the themes of the original classic and just doubles down on them and does them from a different perspective and in a way that you didn't think they'd be able to continue building this world and building this thematic story and they do it to such perfection and R- ryan gosling is one of my favorite actors and just his performance in this movie, incredible. Harrison Ford really brought it back and gave it his all. And just the direction by Denis Villeneuve, one of my favorite filmmakers working today. Just everything about this movie was just beautiful. Like I, I when because like usually when I review like movies or I think about movies, I try to think of negative things too to just to balance my thoughts out. And this is one of those mm. movies where I have a hard time. Like what 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 did what didn't I like about it? And I have to really like be nitpicky if i was going to say something i didn't like about the film and yeah i love blade runner 2049 and especially just mostly because of the you know character interactions the performances and just the deep thematic storytelling that it that it just portrays effortlessly they make it look easy
1: every moment of that film i i say the same thing about mad max fury road you could pause any scene of that film and it's just a work of art every single detail and that's why i'm excited for his take on dune that's supposed to come out this christmas hopefully still so. oh, yeah and, and he the fact that he took such a classic cult movie that you could you could not even touch if you didn't want to and and, and not only made something that continued that and questioned things that were in the original but it could be its own movie was just Oh, I remember at our uh, our Cinemark over there, we had the double feature, and I had the the pleasure of getting to sit down and watch the final cut in the theater for the first time, oh, and that's that awesome. premiere. And my wife was just sitting next to me. These are okay, and I'm just like goosebumps <laughs> for like two and a, or four and a half hours straight. And I cannot tell you in words how that experience was because it was just I was in cinematic, cinematic heaven. heaven. Uh, oh yeah, Chris. You
0: yeah. should probably see a doctor. They said after four hours to. Call <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it's not my fault they showed two movies back to back.
2: Right? It's also not our fault that they made Anna DeArmis and Mackenzie Grace one person. You oh, can't just do that.
1: She is. Uh, she has become <laughs> a, the celebrity crush in my life, and so anytime. Uh, she pops up anywhere on, in the news feeds or anything. My wife's like, there's your bae. And I'll like, just show her a picture of Adam Driver and tell her to shut up. <laughs> but it, it's accurate. It's accurate. When she got cast for Knives Out. I was really excited because she's, she's becoming such a great actress. And I'm excited to see her in the – yeah, she's going to be in Bond. No time to die. She's going to be so great. I'm excited. But, yeah, continue. I'll shut up now.
0: Yeah, I was about to say. I was like, I'm sorry, Ryan. They're taking all your time. No, I knew Chris fine. would want to jump I in. listening
1: about movies and hearing about movies
3: and whatever. It's fun.
0: Um, So we'll jump into yours arrival. Uh, What about it? What do you like? What do you love? What do you hate? Oh, God? I I can't think of one
3: thing. I hate about this movie Um, It's been a little bit since I've seen the movie I'm not gonna lie, but it just resonated with me and I'll always remember watching this movie in theaters and just being like What the hell is this movie about? (laughs) like it's so out there and it just, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, uh, but for myself, I was just kind of like, lost during it because I was like, what do these aliens want? And obviously the characters are trying to figure that out with Amy Adams being a linguist and trying to figure out exactly what they're talking about and what they're trying to communicate. And the th- part that just absolutely shook me was at the end, whenever they were like predicting the future mm-hmm. about Amy Adams' child dying and... Uh, you know, her and Jeremy Renner having a relationship by the end. And just like the twist of that just absolutely shook me. And, you know, I was watching it the whole time and I was lost, like I said, but I'm glad that, you know, by the end, everything, you know, Denis Villeneuve did to wrap it up and to uh, draw some clarity into his movie that he was making. I absolutely love that he was able to lose you and then draw you back in into the movie and uh, wrap it up pretty nicely.
0: Nice, nice. Um, so obviously in the great movie right like the alien scene was very detailed had all this stuff um ryan what scene would you put from arrival Ooh, probably just a very basic scene of the aliens communicating
3: with amy adams and her holding up the whiteboard and basically asking questions and the aliens answering just like that beautiful set design and just them communicating back and forth
1: that's a good one nice
0: don i don't think i asked you what scene from
2: uh, blade runner 2049 would you add uh, towards the beginning after ryan gosling just manhandles dave batista and he and and he's but the scene when he's standing out by the tree and it cuts to that wide shot just oh just just make that a whole ride by itself like oh such a beautifully well-crafted scene and just such a wonderful shot
1: i just want a blade runner ride just uh, give me yeah so i can sit there for four hours again and have the goosebumps again
0: <laughs> and then have a doctor. A at doctor the end at the, the end. end. You're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, cool. So we're gonna jump into our action adventure scene, as we know the great movie. At, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Don, I'm really interested in your movie. I've never heard of it, and I looked it up on IUB and it looks interesting. Uh, the Raid Redemption. What is this movie about, and what makes it such a great action adventure movie?
2: Gabe, you have never seen the Raid? No, no.
0: I haven't oh, either. What okay I, okay I, I do have a question before Dalton goes
3: on. Have you seen the uh, Carl Urban Judge Dread movie? Yes, yes. It's, it's
0: been, been a long time. I think I saw it like when it first came out. Like my dad took me to theaters.
3: That movie is basically the American rendition of the Raid. Sold
2: and well, okay, sort of. They're very similar movies, but yes, but very here, similar. But they're not exactly but, the yeah. same. But he, here's the thing: a movie that I like to compare this to. Which Bruce Lee movie is it? Where It's like a video game where he goes from, like, floor to floor and has to fight a different person. Like, I forget which Bruce Lee movie that is. Isn't that Mm. every Bruce Lee movie? Basically. (laughs) This movie is like that, except the plot of this movie is, um, there's, like, a DEA SWAT team that basically found out that the head central location of, like, all the crime, and it's a foreign film, and it's all the crime in this city happens in this one building. And so they're all going to to raid the building... And the main bad guy is in the top floor. So they have to go from the bottom floor to the top floor. And each floor is just a whole new wave of bad guys, basically. And But what the audience finds out going into it is that the, right, the main villain's right-hand man is the brother of our main character. So basically, oh. what you find out is he is not just going in there to get this bad guy. He's going in there to bring his brother home so he has to just go in this building and there's a moment in the movie when the other residents because the residents are all like people who you know are involved in crime and all the residents one resident sees them and notifies the leader that the police are there then the police goes over or i'm sorry the main villain goes over the loudspeaker of the whole hotel and goes we have some uninvited guests and uh if you're the one that kills them all a uh, free rent for life and then just every room opens up and you're just like, "Oh god, here we go." And when I tell you, look, I I have seen over 2000 movies. This movie has the best action choreography that I have ever seen in my life. This film and oh, okay. this film and the second film just unbelievable choreography and the cinematography of the action scenes it's like your jaw is on the floor during these hand-to-hand combat scenes and this film was made for 1 million us dollars so you're just watching this low budget action movie completely blow your mind and i like i watched that movie and because like i knew there was a second one As soon as I watched this movie the first time, I immediately was trying online, like, okay, where the hell can I rent this second movie? Like, oh my god. It is such an action thrill ride that, like, makes your skin crawl. The violence, the action scenes are so well done, and just at the heart of it is this familial story of just trying to bring the prodigal son home, and it's so good.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to look it up, especially, you know, I'm, like... I've i tried I've like done like short skits and stuff and I've tried to record fight scenes and I know how difficult they are but when I like when I see like a beautiful one like I was just watching The born Identity last night and some of those fight scenes and choreography I'm just like blown away so once you said that I was like all right I need to figure out how, to, how I can watch this movie and just I mean just the story alone yeah yeah but and
2: you know the the action short film that we made No More Safe Haven the one that screened in L A the action scenes in that were very much so inspired by The Raid, except, you know, we're a bunch of chubby children trying to be like The Raid. <laughs> so so, so while, while I do commend our action scenes, and I'm, I'm proud of what we got, it's the only reason they were even remotely okay is because this movie exists. So,
1: yes. I just added nice. it to my watch list, so I'm going to have to look that up. Yep, I'm in. I'm yeah, totally I'm in.
2: literally, after,
0: after we're done here, I'm going to see where I can And find I've it heard to... of it,
1: too. I think Scott Derrickson, who directed Doctor Strange... Uh, added it to his top 10 of the decade. And i like yes. been like, oh, maybe I should watch that. And then just completely forgot about it. Like I do everything in my life. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've got to watch that. That sounds incredible. And when you said, if that, you like Dread, you'll like this. I was like, sold, sold immediately. <laughs> um,
0: so before we jump over to Ryan's, uh, what scene would you add from that movie? I'm curious now.
2: Uh, there's a scene where it's about a six minute fight scene of two good guys versus one bad guy. And, uh, at one point they take a light bulb, like one of those long, like fluorescent skinny light bulbs, crack it and stab the villain in the neck. But then the villain gets up and continues fighting for three minutes. So I I would, I would put that on the ride. I
1: need
0: need a a doctor. I have goosebumps. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) No, that's, okay, that's awesome. All right Ryan, let's talk about your movie No I'm just kidding <laughs> um, Ryan, you have Pirates of the Caribbean the whole franchise yeah
3: no I I will openly admit I love this whole franchise to bits um, I if I had to pick one that was my favorite of the franchise, I'd have to say uh, dead man's chest was which is the second one uh and that one really feels like an adventure. i mean all these are adventure movies at its core right um but speaking specifically on the second one where they have to go search for jack sparrow and jack sparrow is hiding from uh the dutchman i can't remember his name but he's hiding from uh mm-hmm. oh davy jones yeah he's hiding David from davy jones. jones and the flying dutchman and his crew and Orlando Bloom has to go search for him. So it's just a pure adventure movie that is just so much fun. And I always smile and have a good time anytime I watch, whether it's this movie or any movie of the franchise. It's just a lot
0: of fun for me. So obviously, this is a big franchise. What? And, like, this is. Your own movie ride, so if you want to add multiple scenes from multiple movies, you can, but what would you add into your great movie ride from the whole series?
3: Yeah, so one that sticks out to me, like if you really want to capture how much adventure is in this movie, it's definitely from the second one. Uh, whenever Noringham and Orlando Bloom are fighting sword fighting on the uh, on the wheel, oh,
1: the, yeah.
3: uh, in... the water wheel and they're just fighting and Jack Sparrow's on there as well. And uh, some of the Flying Dutchman crew are running and it's just like a whole adventure scene and it's so outlandish and so crazy, but it's also fun at the same time. And I feel like that would really encompass the whole adventure of the franchise.
0: Nice, yeah, and definitely put a twist. You know, Disney already having a pirate's ride and they added Jack Sparrow into it, so it's awesome. All right, so we're going to jump into one of my favorite uh, genres, the horror movies. Uh, Ryan, we'll go back to you to the 1968 Night of the Living Dead.
3: Oh my gosh, yeah, what a fantastic movie. I had recently just watched this for the first time within the past year, two years? Uh, so fairly recent. And growing up, I had always been a fan of like the zombie genre, uh, but George A. Romero, obviously... Put that into the mainstream, and um, had a lot of fun with this movie and all the movies and all the spinoffs that came from this movie. It's just so horrifying, and this is like another example of one of those movies that like left me like shaking after the movie, especially how it ends. Mm-hmm. The ending is what is probably the most horrifying moment of the whole movie for me. Uh, and have both of you guys seen it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've- yeah.
0: Okay. My my dad tormented me and, and put it on one night and I like freaked out. I think it was like six and I was
3: like, oh, oh my oh, god. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you guys know how it ends, and I'll I'll go ahead and spoil it. Uh, so, spoiler alert for anyone who may be listening and haven't seen it. Uh, the ending, the main actor, I can't remember his name, uh, but this movie did come out in the '60s. So when you look at the time, it makes it even worse. Um, the ending, the hero of the movie is an African American man. And at the end, the cops are hunting down these zombies and they find the house that this man was in. And he uh, saved, I think, one or two people in the house from the zombie invasion. Uh, Everyone else in the house did die. And as soon as he stands up in the window, the cops see movement and they just immediately fire without uh, Mm -hmm. investigating what's in the house, who's in the house, whether it's a survivor or a zombie. They just immediately start blasting in the house and they kill him. And the movie just ends right there. And it is so like when you think about the time that it came out and the history around the time, especially in the 60s with the whole civil rights movement, it is such just a shocking end. And I even when I watched it, I I couldn't believe that that was the ending that they wanted to go with. And it just left me shaking after the movie because I was just so like on edge and I was like, I, I can't believe they wrapped the movie like that. And sadly, we nice. still
1: have issues currently. It's a sad thing, but I, I I do remember having that same feeling watching that, and just uh, I had goosebumps, but for a completely dis- different reason. It's just how horrified I was at that scene, and just how abrupt and and out of out of nowhere too, because I did not see that coming, and just oh, it's, it scares me to death. It really does.
0: Yeah um and then uh dalton you have psycho another classic yes
2: uh what is about it that makes it your favorite horror movie um there are a lot of things that make this one of my favorite horror movies uh part of it is you know it's a hitchcock film and he directs the hell out of this movie and it's just you know and a lot of people are hesitant especially people my age are hesitant to watch the movie because it's like oh it's black and white and it's old but like not like, this is one of the best directed movies I've ever seen. And also, you know, just the whole character of Norman Bates is just such a fascinating character. And Anthony Perkins' performance of Norman Bates, if I were to rank my favorite performances of all time, he would definitely be in probably the top five. Like, it is such a unique and creepy performance, especially, like, this is also one of those movies, like, everybody knows the twist ending in this movie, so I'll probably say it at some point. But, you know and part of the reason why this film still holds up upon many rewatches is the dialogue. The dialogue in this movie is so creepy. Like the the scene and I'll jump ahead and say this is what I'd put in my great movie ride. This scene when him and Janet Lee's character have lunch and they're sitting in the back of the motel and she's just asking him questions about his life and each answer is just slowly more creepy and just as an audience member you're like what in the hell is wrong with this guy like just the more he says just the more incriminating he gets and you're just like yeah you need to get out of there like what is going on and like and there was at one point where um he like she says something like you know hey you know your mother treats you very horribly like have have you considered just like pu- putting her putting her in a home like but she says it out of like the kindness of like you know this guy's life being not under his control and the way he just looks at her and completely dismisses what she says and almost like threatens her like what put her in a nut house so she can go and be treated like this and the and like the music swells and that performance starts to kick in and you're just like yeah i'll take that for 400 alex like uh (laughs) no everything with that sequence in particular is one of my favorite sequences in the film and You have the incredible twist ending of you know the multiple personalities and he is his mother and you know it's such a a great film even that one really dumb scene at the end where they have to have the psychiatrist come in and explain what multiple personality disorder is because it's 1960 and like it's just like that's the only part of the movie that doesn't age well but every other part of the movie is just it's tight it's precise it's scary and like just the theme of paranoia like i love the scenes of janet lee just driving and she's imagining the conversations her bosses are having since she's like stole this money and she's just imagining the conversations they're having and then acting based off of her own imaginary conversations and it's just like god that's me like every time i try to like prepare for an argument with somebody like oh i'm so gonna win this argument and then they say something that i didn't plan for and i'm like oh god i lost already (laughs) so it's just it's just kind of like one of those moments with her and just you know and this was the one of the first big movies that like killed its main build star, like, 15 minutes into the movie, and this has become, like, a tradition in horror, like, Scream did it, I love Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street did it, you know, you have uh, countless horror examples that, like, where this set the bar, and while this came, like, before the slasher era, many film historians credit this movie and Peeping Tom as, like, the beginning of the slasher like the the pretty much the Godfather of slasher movies, and then it wasn't until like Halloween comes along where they became like steadily popular. But you know, looking back, like these were this was the precedent for that whole time in horror cinematic history. Well, since
0: you already said your scene, Ryan, we'll go back to you. What scene from Night of the Living Dead would you add on the Great Movie Read?
3: They're all trapped in the house, and they look at every window, and all the zombies are trying to break mm. in. Just like that oh. uh, trapped feeling that you have.
0: Perfect. So after they cry in Western, they're going to lift their pants. Or...
1: Exactly, yeah. It's going to be an eventful ride. You can have the tour guide act as a zombie and come in the house and be like, ta-da, and then get shot. Oh, my God. And that's the ride. That's the, ride. To get no, the doctor. That's it.
0: Sorry, he died. The turnover rate at Great Movie Ride oh, is increasing by day. Uh, so
1: all the CPs are going to be tour guides now. <laughs> oh, jeez uh yeah i'm just kidding uh all right Uh, well since uh gabe has now been killed by our survivors in the house um um, (laughs) sorry bud uh uh, i'm going to uh oh no wait that would have been me i'm dead gabe you get the rest of the show then i (laughs) guess well i'm gonna take over the ride and we're going to go into drama um Dalton, I see you have Ordinary People on your list. I haven't seen it. I'm assuming it's the 1980 Robert Redford movie? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so what about this film? Tell me, who, as someone who's never seen it, tell me about it.
2: This film is just heartbreaking from the first frame. Like, the, the story of this film is about two brothers that were in a boating accident, and one brother, unfortunately, didn't make it. But the brother that didn't make it was the favorite child of the family. So this film follows the brother who survived, who is just completely ignored by mostly his mother. His father is okay. His father is just like, you know, dealing with grief and still loves his son. But the mother, who's played by Mary Tyler Moore, brilliantly by her, just cannot believe that her favorite son has died and just completely refuses to give this child the time of day. And, you know, he's a teen, I believe he's in high school when this happened, so... It's just about him going to therapy and just trying to pretty much this character's goal, the whole movie is how do I get my mother to love me? And it is just this heartbreaking journey that this film goes on. I believe it won best picture the year that it came out. Like it is such a great film. And just there, like I said, there are so many heartbreaking scenes that this, that this movie has, that this character goes through. And you really just start to really root that just any ounce of happiness can come into this kid's life and just seeing how hard he tries just to be loved after such a horrible incident and like i'm really being a debbie downer of the episode talking about this movie but like it's it's such a heartbreaking movie and just it's one of those things where after you're done watching it like you just want to take a shower like you're just like my goodness like this movie is just too much and yeah that i'd say that's why it's one of my all-time favorite dramas and robert redford directs this movie beautifully
1: I was gonna say uh, uh, you want to take a shower after watching it. I was gonna make a psycho reference, but I uh, uh. <laughs>
2: I'm,
1: uh, I'm, not, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, all right. Uh, and then for Ryan, you have Parasite, which won everything last year and just blew everybody out of the water at the Academy Awards and I didn't get to see it till after. Oh uh, no wait, no, wait we watched it we watched it six days before the awards. Uh, because uh, we were waiting for something I forgot what uh, but it it was such such a good movie and uh, uh, what what a way to depict the different uh, levels of society and how each of them affect each other and just I'll, I'll let you talk about it
3: yeah no I mean like you, you hit the nail right on the head it depicts the different classes of society uh, more specifically South Korean society um, both visually with the cinematography and obviously through the story, because uh, the main family, they literally live below street level and uh, they are they're the poor family of the group and then they end up uh, infiltrating and working for this rich family. And they literally live on a hill. like they walk up to their house. And I thought that that was absolutely brilliant with the visual storytelling of showing the different, uh, classes of society of South Korean society. And I remember watching this movie and just like, it felt very lighthearted at first, uh, you sympathized with the family and their troubles that they had to go through to make money and to live. And throughout the movie, you're just like, I feel like there's something more to this. I feel like something. Like, the big thing hasn't happened yet. I don't know what it is. And then just as the movie goes, and that horrible storm happens, and then the old maid comes back and forgets something, and then it just immediately turns into, like, a horror, suspenseful movie. And just that slow graduation that it has towards that is absolutely outstanding on how they were able to do that, Um, how Bong Joon-ho was able to do that, both with his writing and his directing. I think is absolutely fantastic, and I've never seen a movie quite like this one. And uh, like you said, it won Best Picture, won all the awards, and honestly, rightfully so, because that movie is absolutely fantastic.
1: I agree, I agree. My favorite scene of the movie, I forgot what was going on around it, but it was uh, the kitchen area with the stairwell going to the basement was dark, and then you just see the guy's head rise above the stairs slowly and just like... The only, like, light you see of the room is the white of his eyeballs. And just how creepy. And it was so straight shot. It yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely
3: on. horrifying yeah. just watching yeah. that.
1: And there's nothing going on in this room for a couple seconds. And all of a sudden, you just see this guy's head. Because it was the first time out of the basement in, like, years for this guy. And if, if you haven't watched the movie, uh, you probably don't understand the context. That just means you have to watch it. Uh, and so, yeah, this guy's been in the basement for years. And just the slow rise of his head. And just it hit that horror tone so subtly. It was oh my god! It was that was yeah, that no, moment absolutely. freaked me out so much. But it was such a good movie. Do you have? Uh, we'll, we'll go back to you, Dalton. With uh, with ordinary people, what scene would you put in our drama section? Drama section. Oof!
2: I know exactly the scene. Uh, it's you know surprise. It's really sad. But uh, there's a scene where the mother and the father in this film go on like a Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and during that time, the son, like they, they don't bring their son. And the, the son is just like going through all this therapy. And he is like really confident that like, Hey, maybe after this vacation, everything will go back to normal and everything will be fine. And then they, he sees his parents' car pull into the parking lot and he runs outside and he sees his mother and he just goes, mom, I'm so happy that you're home. And he hugs her and the mother just stands there and doesn't do anything doesn't hug him back just stands there Oof. and it's and it's so sad and just i think that you know and like i love like the goal of this movie ride that we've been making is just how many times can we make children cry and i think that and i think that this one this one will help i
1: was about to say we just need to have kleenex part of our gear gabe and uh just you know
0: we're, we're sponsored by, kleenex. by...
1: <laughs> and uh the great movie cried sh- uh, uh the great movie cried um We'll call it that. And uh, God, yeah, we're, we're having so many tearful moments on this ride. And then Ryan parasite, what would you, uh, what would you put on the ride?
3: Well, I want to go for more lighthearted tone. So I would definitely want to pick the scene where the family, uh, the rich family went on vacation and the poor family is in there. They're eating snacks around the table. They're laughing. They're joking. They're just having a pure family moment. Uh, obviously before everything hits the fan um you know just whenever they're laughing having a good time joking talking about stories of their lives and whatnot
1: that yeah that was a great moment cuz like you said it's right before you know everything went to hell in that movie and uh oh man i love parasite i'll have to check out ordinary people i i didn't know about it honestly until I was reading over your list and, and did some research and uh I love everything that I've seen Robert Redford do. He's one of my favorites. And I don't know how this one slipped past me, so I'm definitely gonna have to check it out.
2: Um no it's good. I, I love just when either if someone tells me a movie I've never heard of or vice versa, because it just spreads the cinematic love language.
1: It's the best and and what's what's fun is I we're I'm gonna take this moment to say this. I love finding out about movies that have been around forever that I should know about. And I've heard nothing about it because each time it's a new discovery. And not only is it a joy for me, but I'm sure like you said, it's a joy for the person who got to share that. And that's, that's the wonderful thing about cinema and film. And and what I love about this show is we get to share these moments that is special to you, but I have no idea it exists. And then we just share it with everybody. And it's, it's a beautiful beautiful thing. Oh yes, I agree. So, all right, that's my two cents. Uh, So, going into animation, you both share the favorite, and I love this movie so much, and I'm so happy he finally uh, got to do some live action with the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, But The Iron Giant, one of Brad Bird's cinematic masterpieces in the world of animation, it's such a beautiful film. Uh, Ryan, we'll let you start with your reasoning of loving this film. I think it's just you know growing up watching this it's just a very
3: this movie has a lot of heart and especially with the main character i can't remember the character's name hogarth thank you hogarth yeah it's a very strange name very strange name um but just of him finding a friend in this alien giant that the government wants but you know he's just a kid so he just wants to play with him you know and the giant uh obviously is very interested in all these new things that he's experiencing as a sentient being and just the kid wanting to have fun and you know the, he has this like basically this weapon of mass destruction that he's playing with and it's just like a very it, it has a lot of heart and it's a heartfelt movie and i absolutely love hogarth and what he does with the iron giant and just their relationship that they have
1: i agree, I agree. dalton what about you
2: about uh, you? i echo some of ryan's sentiments and also just the underlying theme of like you know nuclear war especially in the time period it takes place in and you have that with this just this amazing just like childlike innocence with this being and you know it, it also just kind of there's an underlying story there of like you know when something's newborn it's all about what you teach it and you know hogarth showed this you know being nothing but kind of love and only taught him about how to be nice to things mm-hmm. and it really just showed the effect on it had on how this weapon of mass destruction didn't live out its purpose it was able to be something else and also just you know i i love a good you know analogy and my favorite superhero of all time is superman so the connections that they put to superman in this movie and the comparisons and just like it's such a perfect beautiful metaphor and just how they're able to tie that in just has a special place in my heart and like this is one of the first god we keep picking movies that are gonna make kids cry but, but like <laughs> but like the the i remember like this was one of the first movies when i was younger that where i remember being emotional and it wasn't because i was like too scared or so like it was just because i genuinely liked the story so much and so it just has that special place for me
1: got it got it no i'm looking at on my shelf right here i actually have a little six inch figurine of him wearing the superman emblem and uh, no, it's one of my favorite little figurines I have. I love that movie so much. Uh, so, yeah, what, what scene from the Iron Giant would you guys put? And what's great is uh, I feel it could be so much more interactive than what we had on the original ride because it was just a screen with Fantasia. And Iron Giant, with all its cinematic uh, and animated marvels that it brought to the screen, you could be more three-dimensional with this and it just be beautiful. Uh, what would you guys do with it? We'll, we'll start with Ryan. Ryan uh i i want to go with
3: this scene that really affected me as a kid so we're going to go back to making kids cry <laughs> uh at the end whenever the military uh storms into the town and you know basically the iron giant has he, he understands his purpose that you know he has to basically destroy himself and essentially die for the military to stop doing what they're doing and you know go back to peace and hogarth is right by his side wanting to help him but the iron giant says something along the lines of like stay or like very simple 10 words of just like uh eh, let me take care of this you know like I-, I know what i need to do and it's just a very heart uh it's a very heartbreaking moment because he has to sacrifice himself for the greater good of the movie
1: gotcha gotcha what about you Dalton? What about you
2: do for me i would probably do the scene when hogarth and the iron giant first meet and like with his broken bb gun like i i I love that that image and just the i love the reveal scene of the iron giant and obviously it scares the holy bejesus out of hogarth and just like having that like that moment remade onto the great movie ride it's it's not the end of their relationship. They end up loving each other, but it's it's fun to be reminded how like oh that's how it started. Was this meeting right here.
1: Got it. Would you guys keep it like uh like an animated screen or would you try to go three dimensional with it cuz like I said I I feel that you could do some wonderful like uh animatronics with the giant personally and just have like some cool lighting on it. What would you guys what would you guys do with that?
2: Assuming that we have the money of the gods, I would just <laughs> I would just uh, I would pay someone a bunch of money to build a functioning robot, and then I would uh, I would hire actors to play the human characters, except they're never allowed to leave. So it's like it's just like it's 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 it's, it's, it's really interactive. Like you really get the sense that they're in that moment from the audience's perspective. You know, you got to make sure you do it right.
1: We can just break some child labor laws and have a kid trapped there as Hogarth. And oh, no problem. Awesome. No <laughs> tissues for him though. Sweet. Oh, no. No. Awesome. Awesome. No, just (laughs) 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 depends. All right. So we're going to wheel it into where Oz was. And like we've mentioned on previous episodes, this is where we put comedy because the ride didn't really cover it. Ryan, you have some great ones in your list, but your number three is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, Number two, we've talked about before what we do in the shadows. So I want to talk about your number three, Hot Hot Fuzz. Yeah. I love Hot Fuzz so much. And it's, it's my favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, Edgar Wright just made this brilliant action comedy that every time I watch it, I laugh hysterically. I have very wonderful stories about seeing it in the theater for the first time. What about it makes it a favorite for you? Probably that this hotshot
3: cop in this big city did so well that made everyone else look bad. And just that goofy premise of like, hey, you're so good, we're Basically, you're going to promote you, but demote you at the same time. <laughs> and you're going to go to this perfect utopia where there's no crime, so you can just basically retire. And just the idea of, like, someone being so good that they just got put down, I think, is a hysterical uh, way to
1: approach this movie. Got it. Got it. Um, and then for Dalton, you have Young Frankenstein as your favorite comedy. And this is not a late it, edition, yeah, a late edition <laughs> as someone who did not list his comedy movies. we'll Throw, we'll throw, we'll throw you under the, the, the ride vehicle, literally. Um, yeah, I <laughs> oh. you know. Ouch. It's going to be a slow burn like a Deadpool with the Zamboni. Um, so what about Young Frankenstein for you, my friend?
2: Part of it is I'm a very big Mel Brooks fan and also... I have a huge thing, and I, I just recently reviewed uh, Fast Times at Ridgemount High, and I mentioned this in that review, and that's, I love movies that are a good movie first, and then they're funny. And I think that Young Frankenstein is a prime example of that. You know, you have this character with a, a backstory, a family that he hates being a part of, but then learning to accept that part of himself, and, you know, the triggering music that sets him into these moods, and you have, like, the unwillingness to be a part of his family's legacy like you have all these deep themes and stories and then on top of that it's just absolutely hysterically funny and it's just this amazing masterpiece of a comedy and the fact that they were able to use like the original props from the 30s frankenstein movie Mm -hmm. and almost make this like an official frankenstein movie even though it's like the sequel spoof kind of thing and gene wilder's performance is just Oh, my God. Like, every time I watch this movie, even, like, right from the opening scene when they clearly mess with their test patient way too much and the audience claps and Gene Wilder just whispers to his assistant, hey, uh, give this guy an extra dollar. Like, <laughs> I just, I love, I love all, just every little comedic bit and the comedic timing is perfect and Marty Feldman as Igor, like, oh, my God, so hilarious. And, like, just so many, wo- like, wonderfully timed comedic scenes, like, I, I I love the scene when they get to the castle and the door has these giant like round knockers on them. And uh, Igor starts knocking on the door. And then while Gene Wilder is removing one of the female characters from the cart, her breasts are kind of in his face, but he looks at the door and says, what knockers? And the girl's like, oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> and just like, just little stuff like that. But it's like consistent throughout the entire film. And like I said, at the end of the day, it's the rich the, the rich characters and the good storytelling that's layered throughout the comedy that really just put this above most comedies for me. That and the cinematography, for some reason, decided to be stupid good. Like, for some reason, they were like, hey, you know what this movie doesn't need? Good cinematography. You know what we're going to have? Good cinematography. So they just did it. They did that for us. So, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, I agree. And, uh, I mean, I grew up with Willy Wonka, and I didn't see Young Frankenstein for the first time, uh, for the first time until like a couple years ago. But I, I would have to say, growing up, Willy Wonka was my favorite Gene Wilder movie. Now I think Young Frankenstein is. I agree with that,
2: like, um, like every part of that. Yes, it, it's,
1: it, it's my more mature favorite Gene Wilder film, I guess we could say. Um, don't, we'll go, right, Ryan, we'll go back to you. What, uh, what scene, Now, now, Oz, you didn't get to ride the great movie ride, which I I'm very it's sorry funny. to hear. Um, Oz was very interactive. interactive. It was like this, this event. You came in and there were munchkins, uh, not like the football thing we talked about earlier. Uh, (laughs) and, and the, the, the witch came out and you got the disser and, or the tour guide got the disser and it was this great moment and then you walked or, or rode through and then there's the Emerald City in the background and this happy, joyous occasion. Well, Hot Fuzz kind of has that at moments, but also not at all because there's just murder everywhere. Murder, murder, murder. Uh, We'll say, is there a moment in Hot Fuzz that you feel is, is event enough or, or like so – such a big moment that you could – you feel that we could uh, we could put in this, this section of the ride?
3: Yeah, I can't remember the whole context of the dialogue, but it's whenever the – they they find out that the jig is up that really um, this cult of the town, they've been murdering people and uh, whatever. The neighborhood watch. It's- yeah, the neighborhood watch. They uh, they're in the store, the grocery store, and oh, what's his name? Nicholas Nicholas, Nicholas Angel? Or? Or? Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Oh, um, uh, oh. Whenever God. he's just loading the shotgun, and he just goes, "Shame!" <laughs> like I, I, I quote that with Dalton all the time, and I, like I said, I can't remember the
1: specifics of the dialogue. Oh, it's become a meme now too. And that's what's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do, do you care if i yeah do, go yeah.
2: yeah go um like simon pegg tells nick frost like oh i just i just threw that guy in the freezer and then nick frost goes did you say cool off after you did it and he goes no and then he goes ah shame and <laughs> <the
1: shotgun>. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is uh, thank you dog. all the puns in that movie are just brilliant and i love i love the the moment where they uh, call him angle because they got um uh, the the newspaper editor is really bad with information and typos, and instead of saying Angel, which is the guy, the main character's named Nicholas Angel, they put Angle, he puts Angle, and so he's walking through the police department the next day, and they're all like, morning, Angle. Morning, Angle. <laughs> the comedy in that is just next level, especially since Nick Frost's character is a
3: cop but he just watches all these action movies and that's all he wants man that's that's the life he he's wants to live this, and now he's able to live it he's living in the Listen. little town
1: and he's uh, is it true if that I, when you if shoot i had a man t- in the head his head will blow up <laughs> i think he does the point break thing at the end yep, too doesn't yep. he He does the shoot in the air or uh yeah he, he's aiming at his dad who's running away yeah. and he so he shoots up in the air Ah, it's so good have you yeah, seen it Gabe? Yes, I've seen.
0: I was gonna say if if we could add anything to that scene, it's just the mothers yes. all with like salt. That is my traditional <laughs>
1: like, Mother's Day shout out to everyone. I find the picture of him and he comes around the corner. You mothers, and it's just them coming down the, and that's my Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everyone yes. every year. Just that movie.
0: That's as you leave you leave the scene, and instead of Dorothy and and all of them, <laughs> it's just mothers
1: oh it's such a good movie dalton what about you with young frankenstein
2: i i think i think the scene from young frankenstein that would be perfect for a great like a great movie ride would probably be the scene when dr frankenstein and frankenstein's monster are performing on stage yes and 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 they're doing um on the ritz and, then, oh, and yes. then it gets to the monster, and you. it gets to the monster, and he's just like "murder, murder, <laughs> It's so funny. And just like, just from a construction standpoint, oh now we're getting technical. Like from a construction standpoint, it'd be easy to make that part of the ride. So there you go.
1: There you go. And you could have the <laughs>
2: well, we spent all the money on the
0: Iron yeah, Giant, yeah. so now we yes. need to make it a little easier. Honestly, you
1: could have the tour guide hop off and do the Ritz with Frankenstein's monster, or you're Frankenstein's monster. they so are like, <laughs> and just I don't know, because there's that interactive moment between the tour guide and the witch in oz originally oh man well ryan and dalton we're gonna pull it back to doc and this has been this has been a really fun episode and to have both of you on there it's it's different because we've never had two guests so um it's been nice because we're, we're getting a double yeah double dose of movie ride with this so it's been a been a treat and thank you guys so much for coming on um do you want to do you want to do a little harmless plug for movie nights here at the end and where to where to follow and all that jazz
2: absolutely and you know we've been having a great time so thank you and uh yeah for movie nights um you can you can find us on YouTube, uh, Movie Nights, two separate words, Spell Nights with a K. I uh, hate that we made that, because now we have to specify every time. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times my grandmother's been like, I'm typing Movie Nights, but I can't find you guys. And I'm like, did you use a K? And they're like, ah, and I'm like, ah, damn it. That's, I can't believe we did that. But, uh, but yeah, that's where you can find us on YouTube. That's where a majority of our content are. Um, if you just type in, I know if you type in my name on Amazon Prime, you'll see some of the short films we've made there on Amazon as well and for um on social media a facebook just at movie nights and for instagram and twitter at nights underscore movie because some moron took movie nights so we had to settle for nights underscore movie but yeah that's our instagram and twitter and uh yeah
1: do we do we know who this moron is and can we find him
2: if trust me, if I know, if I knew who it was, I would have tried some Jane, Song, and Bob stuff by now. Where I just fly to their house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for being on. Uh, Gabe, do you uh, do you have any any last words before we depart?
0: No, it was it was an absolute pleasure hearing you guys talk about the movies and just your love for movies is really awesome. And now I really need to go see some of your the movies. The raid.
1: I, I gotta I gotta watch the that raid
0: now. especially.
1: Thank you uh, guys again for being on the show. And thank you all for listening to The Great Movie Radio Show. And uh, we'll see you next time. The Great Movie Radio Show is recorded in Orlando, Florida. You can visit our website at www.thegmrshow.com. Art direction and logo design provided by Mr. Bayless. Voiceover and intro work provided by Dave Feske and Joe Erickson. You can find our podcast on multiple platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and many more. Music provided by the YouTube Audio Library. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search The Great Movie Radio Show or The GMR Show. This has been The Great Movie Radio Show. We hope you enjoy your day, and we'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of. Goodbye, everyone. You have been listening to a GMR Radio production.